0: pros in the know start with Lowe's because Lowe's makes it easy to save big on building materials to finish any job. Need to stock up on water heaters? Save 5% on select A.O. Smith water heaters when you buy three or more of the same model. Plus, save 5% on eligible purchases every day when you use your Lowe's business credit account. So, pro, now that you know, start with Lowe's. While supplies last, credit offers subject to credit approval. Can't be combined with other credit offers. Exclusions apply. U.S. only. You know a good relationship only really because you've been in bad ones. Mm. And I've had, I've tried to adjust myself to other people, you know, tone the little boldness down, be this person, and which, of (laughs) course, make the relationship doomed for failure. Somebody else is dealing with whatever I've dealt with, dealing with, or will deal with. And that's why Mm -hmm. I went through a lot. Welcome to Define You. Class is now in session. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Define Your Wednesday. Class is in session. I'm your host, Valencia Griffin Wallace, lifestyle designer and boldness coach. And with that being said, I'm, i don't. A lot of you guys should know that I am from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And with that being said, I just would love for everyone just to take a moment to pray for my city and that everything, everyone finds peace in this situation. It's weighing heavy on my heart, and I'm going to do my best to bring it like I normally do, so if we can just have a moment that everyone just pray for peace and just uplift my city. Thank you guys. I hope you guys all did that. With that being said, it was it's almost prolific that today's lesson is about transformation from tragedy. And all of us at some point in time in our life has experienced a tragedy that we just didn't know we were going to make it through or over. Or, you know, when tragedy happens, sometimes it seems like it's the end. It's the end. You don't know how you're going to get out of that moment, that darkness, that doom you're feeling in the heat of tragedy. And with that being said, I would love to welcome... Our guest and you guys give a great Define You Radio. Welcome to our guest, Miss Kim Martin. Kim, are you there? I am here. Hey, how you doing today? I am doing just great. How are you? I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing good. I'm. I'm holding it. I'm holding it. I am. Um, I like I said. It is to, today's lesson. Is almost. Pro prolific you know it's you know Baton Rouge in Louisiana I'm sure a lot of people know New Orleans but you know Baton Rouge is kind of one of those things one of those places people may have or may not have heard of you know and um, I said with the title of the show and it is so so needed Period. But especially now, I know I do have, you know, local listeners here to me. And like I said, er everything happens for a reason. It's a reason why this show was scheduled for today. And, you know, it's been scheduled. So it's, it's more... Important than it normally would have been. Not saying it would not have been important, but I know you understand what what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just like you said, anytime, anytime there's any type of tragedy, anytime anything happens, it's it's a time when when people tend to rally together to to try to understand or make sense of what's happened, and and you know. It, it's a time when people are receptive, hopefully not in the negative, but in the positive. A place of, of understanding, or get to a place of of trying to make sense of why things happen the way they do. Yeah. Mm. So I mean, it's it, it definitely, yeah. That was that it was an awesome something. statement. And and in the moment, in the heat of of tragedy we don't see, see the light or the flicker at the, at the end of the tunnel. I posted one time about um, a lot of times we don't see the light, so we put our head down, and when we put our head down, we'll miss the, the spark, we'll miss the flicker, you know. Um, recently, you know, last month, I spoke about losing my mom. My mom was murdered 22 years ago. And in that moment, in that moment of tragedy, I didn't see the other side. And right. so with the lesson today being transformation from tragedy, people will see me now not fully understanding. I don't know that I would be who I am today had that tragedy not taken place. Absolutely. But, in the moment of that tragedy twenty two years ago you don't you don't understand the purpose you don't see the bigger picture behind it. you don't see what good can come from this. what am I supposed to break is this my breaking point? That's what it feels like right. in a moment of tragedy right. and um you know with that being said, and you guys just have to bear with us today because this this is a hot topic. Like I said, we all know tragedy. We all know it. So with that being said, Miss Kim, if you can go ahead and just introduce yourself to the audience. You could go ahead. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely Uh, like Valencia said, I'm Kim Martin. I am a empowerment coach and my expertise is in transition in major life transitions. I am also a um, professional speaker, I am an author, and I'm the co-founder of Unlimited Love and Life Coaching, LLC, here in Atlanta, Georgia. So um, I'm a native of New York, Queens, have to raise the roof, my pops to New York City. <laughs> and. Uh, I'm an Atlanta transplant. I've been here for 20 years, and um, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful journey. I also do a block talk radio show that's called um, love, Unlin- love Unlimited Relationship Coaching with Kim and Sharonda, and we had the pleasure of having Valencia as a guest on our show a couple of weeks back, so we're excited about that. And uh, we Yay. take a holistic approach to love and relationships, and we talk about that platform or our platform or the basis for our show and also for our coaching business is to talk about relationships and the dynamics of relationships, whether they be professional or whether they be personal. And um, I also have a degree in business management. I have my master's in business administration, and I'm currently pursuing my doctorate in industrial organizational psychology at North Central University. So it's just been... A, a wonderful experience to be able to be in a place where where platforms are available to talk about relationships and to talk about understanding and to talk about transition I'm very very happy to be here with you this evening well thank you thank you so much and this time on on your show, and, you know, I welcome you to the Define You radio space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I love let it. let me ask you, ask you this, because I've been to New York, and I've been to Atlanta. New York yes. was extremely, this was in <laughs> April, uh-huh. Atlanta is extremely hot. Did you, and I know it's funny, you know, you talk about transition. I know that was like a huge, even the cultures are different. In the South, we are, Absolutely. hey, y'all, we speak to strangers, so on and so forth. When I went to New York, yes. it was a shock to my system because I was speaking to people, you know, hey, how you doing? People looking at me like I escaped from somewhere, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that's why I you know what, I can't live there right, and you see and that's the thing Now, now I'm from Queens, and so if people are like, "Oh, well, you were from the refined area because you had lawns and you live in a concrete jungle and there are so many misconceptions about about new york and and people's attitudes and behaviors there, and it's no different when you go in any city and and you're immersed in that culture, and that's way that's the way you live. you tend to 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 live that way, and it doesn't seem like there's anything wrong with it because that's the way you were raised. That's the environment in which you were right. brought up. And just like you said, it's not until you step outside of that culture or outside of that environment that you say, oh, I see that we do things differently. My my fiancé is from Chicago, and, you know, we say, oh, well, we used to do this, and did you all ever do that? And we It's all a matter of the environment that you were raised in, and so... You know, there are some stigmas that, you know, come with with New York, that people are cold and they're abrasive. No, they're just about business, and they're about getting where they're going and about doing what they're doing, and that's just the manner in which they do it. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting. You know, I've, like I said, I've been here, and yes, it was a bit of a culture shock because I came from an area that was steep in culture, and, and you had many different people. And then when you moved here to Georgia, there, there are different cultures here, but they were different people. You know, you had, right. you had a large Jewish population. You had a large, um, you know, uh, Puerto Rican, you know, in the areas that I lived in. You had, you had a lot, uh, Hispanic and Puerto Rican population there. Here, when I came, there were a lot of Somalian people from Africa. There were a lot of people that there were more Mexican culture. So it was a different right. type of culture. And I really saw stark lines between black and white when I moved here um, 20 years ago. It's been 20 right. August 1st, will be 20 years since I moved here. I moved here right after the Olympics in 1996. And I purchased my home in 1997, and I've been here ever since. And, and it, it was different. And I came down, and, and people are like, oh, you're from New York? Well, you seem nice. <laughs> like there are <they're> nice people <laughs> in New York. We exist, and we don't but all say "son," and we don't all have that harsh really. and brash attitude. It really is, you know. It's not a fact that you just said. Uh, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so like, "Son, how you doing, son?" Yeah when i watch shows and i'm doing like my air quotes that you know uh or they're supposedly taking place in louisiana or they have like a movie and the character is playing somebody from louisiana i'm like oh my goodness we do not sound like that i don't i don't know if to other people we sound that country or you know, like when people mispronounce Baton Rouge or New Orleans, like I could tell tourists by how they say certain things. Absolutely. And um, with the Essence Fest just uh, passing, and I posted a video of that they had with how to pronounce certain things when you come to Louisiana. And I posted wow. it as a helpful reminder to my friends, for when they come <laughs> to Louisiana, please do not... Learn how to pronounce these words. I will give a session. Some stuff that's second nature to me, you know. And um, right, but it's all you know. It's all part of being in in a world with so many different people, and you want to experience Absolutely. things. But you, you know, you want to get that experience. But it's like everybody experience in the world is different. Absolutely. But how we tend to deal with things like tragedy if you get yes. to some of the core feelings, sometimes we find our sameness in pain. Right. We can, we right. can all relate to, to pain, whether it's physical, emotional. However, pain is, is pain. Now, we may right. react different, but we can all relate right. to it. Right, so right. with that being being said, if you can you share a little bit about your life, what got Kim to to this point, what was your defining moment, your defining tragedy yes, yes, no, I'm happy to share that no go ahead. yeah, yeah, like you said it was it was you know i. I felt as though I was living my quote-unquote American dream. When I moved here, um, my two daughters were young. They were three and seven when I moved here to Atlanta from New York. I was was still relatively young. I was in my mid-20s and moved down here, like I said, home ownership. I had a job with the school system. I was married at the time, and it was just a wonderful space that I felt I was in. I thought that I was doing all the things that were necessary in my life. I, was, I had the, the home, I had the car, I had the career. I felt that I was in a good space. And um, the defining moment for me, fast forward to 2009, happened on October 11th, and that was when I lost my youngest daughter. She had a brain aneurysm. She passed in her sleep. And she was almost 17 years old. And it was like everything stopped. Mm. Not only did I experience that tragedy, I also had a daughter who had just, my oldest daughter had just graduated college and was moving up to New York. And I had just asked my third husband for a divorce. And Mm. so I went from having you know, being a wife and a mother and a worker bee and just doing everything that I thought was quote-unquote right to living by myself for the first time, never wow. having experienced, you know, that space where I was by myself. I had my oldest when I was 18 and had my youngest daughter when I was 22. And so I was a relatively young mother, but like I said, I... I overcame the obstacles of being a young mother to to work in the school system and to be able to to establish a career early on. But now I was in a space where I'd lost my child, Hmm. and I was like, this wasn't supposed to happen. She was supposed to bury me. But the thing that was defining was my reaction to it. My faith was so strong, Valencia, that I didn't blame God. I wasn't angry at him for taking my daughter from me. It was her time. She did all that she was supposed to do here on earth, and it was time for her to go. And I had the wherewithal and the knowledge to know that and to not be angry. Blindsided when when something like this happened, because you didn't see it coming. But then it's it's the reaction to it. I said, okay, now what am I going to do? What, What turn does my life take here? Because I was so used to being defined by the roles that I played in my children's life, in my husband's life, in the life of the people who I worked for, and I really had a disconnect with, who I was, and so that put me in the space of I was in a quandary. I was really confused about, okay, so now what do I do? It's like somebody's throwing the emergency brake, and you're about to go through the windshield, <laughs> and you're mm. like, wait a minute. This, this wasn't supposed to happen, right. and, and I guess in my mind, I had I had in my mind that this is this isn't the way things are supposed to happen, but I didn't know how I was supposed to deal with it. I, I knew that, you know, of course I was upset. I grieve. I miss my daughter every day up until this moment. But I, I knew not to be angry but at the same time I still didn't know what to do with me. I didn't know what my next step was supposed to be because that was a step that was out of order. I was like, wait a minute. I'm, my daughter is supposed to bury me and now I have to bury my daughter. I don't understand how that's supposed to work. And so, you know, for a minute, I had to sit there and try to figure out, okay, now, now, what do I do? Because I, I do for everybody else, and, and I don't know how to do for me. So it really put me in a place of stillness. I had to be still for a minute because I was still operating. Um, I, you know, I went to Walmart. After you know everyone was gone, after my daughter had moved to to New York, she moved to New York two months after my daughter passed, because she was scheduled to leave. And then my divorce, uh, my ex husband moved out in January, and and I was left alone. And I remember going to Walmart, and I had three hundred dollars worth of groceries in the cart. And it wasn't until I got up to the register that I realized, wait a minute, why am I getting all these things? It's just me? And then I stood there for a good minute trying to figure out what in that card I wanted. Because I was so used to getting for everybody else and this this one like this one this and that one. Stop. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I, I don't even know what I like. What I don't to even buy, know right? what to do. And so just like I said, I, I knew you know, I knew the gravity of what was happening, but I still didn't quite know what to do? So, like, like I said, there was a moment of stillness. I got, I got stuck for a minute. I got stuck, and then, and then, then ask, I didn't have. How, yes. Let me ask you this: what was what was the time frame between when your daughter passed and when you decided, um, you know, to end your marriage? was it like a couple of months, couple of weeks. You know what was yeah. the time. Well, we were things were kind of rocky before she passed and and I'm a communicator. So I really tried mm-hmm. to talk to him and say, "Hey, you know, there are some things that are going on and and we need to try to see if we can work these things out." And It was almost immediately after she passed that I said, you know what, this is, it's come to a head. It came to a head because when tragedy strikes, you know, relationships tend to change. There is a stress that, that comes on the relationship. Either that person is supporting you or that person becomes distant because they don't know how to deal with that. And there were, there were several things that went on in that space because he uh, was 27 years my senior, and mm. he, had some, he had some medical issues that started coming up. And for me, I immediately started thinking, wait a minute, I don't want to have another person in my life to pass in my home due to wow. a medical situation. Even though right. my daughter's aunt brain undetected. It wasn't anything that I could have done anything about. There were still people who, because she was tall and she was a bigger girl, they immediately said, oh, well, she must have had a stroke. Oh, well, what did you do as a parent? And they questioned my ability to parent. And that was a hard thing to deal with because I had to wait almost a month before we found out what, you know, what her cause of death was. And then here it was. I had a husband who had issues with his heart and was canceling doctor's appointments and was not taking care of himself. And I was traveling at the time with my corporate job, and I wasn't there to be able to to make sure that he was doing the things that he needed to do. And so there was a little bit of fear there, and I, and, and also a matter of, I don't want to come home and find another person in my home deceased. And that was a hard thing for me, and and it just... I, at that point, I was like, you know, you're not trying to help, and and I'm trying to to create for us a better quality of life, especially in in the midst of this tragedy that we had, and saying, okay, what can we do better? What can we do? And and we just couldn't seem to get that cohesiveness going. And and you know, he it was her stepdad, and he would say that he heard her talking to him and she was telling him things. And I wasn't ready for that either.
1: Hmm. Because,
0: I mean, yes, you you could have heard her. She could have told you things. But for me, I was like, okay, you may need to keep that to yourself. It was difficult for me to be able to process that and say, okay, wait a minute now. You know, I don't i'm I'm still grieving my daughter I, and and like I said I'm sad that she's not here, but I don't want to hear that she's talking to you and that was right. just where my mind was at at that time. It's I was just like i'm not I'm not ready for this I'm not ready for this, and so I need to to distance myself and 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 I really started looking at the toxicity of some of the relationships that I had fostered at that time and that was one i said i'm I'm just not ready for this. I need to end this because I don't feel like I'm in a safe space. Hmm. And so it was very shortly after, and um, I went and uh, applied for the I mean, you know, went and uh, got the paperwork for the divorce, and we divorced shortly thereafter, and it became it was final in May of the following year for just several months, but he was gone. Um, in January. So she passed in October. By January, he was gone. Hmm. And I mean, when I I remember being at the, um, we had a memorial for her. And my mom and dad came down to to Atlanta. And I remember just standing up there and speaking because no one knew my daughter better than I did. And so when I spoke, You know, my mom came and she stood beside me, my daughter came and stood beside me, and my husband sat. He was too broken up. I, I can't come and there. I can't support you. We had another memorial for her in New York because my grandmothers are older, and so I had another memorial there. And again, I needed him to stand there and to be with me and to support me, and he couldn't. And and that, that was kind of the defining moment as well. But I said, you know, the person who I really thought would be able to stand with me, and and even if he had to stand in my strength, was not right. willing. So it was it was a it was a difficult time, and I really had to come to terms with whether that's what I wanted to do or not, because I was not a person who shared intimate aspects of whatever happened in the four walls of my house. I kept it here. I really didn't, you know share too much information with people because if it was a decision that I was going to make I wanted that decision to be mine and I didn't want it to be tarnished by other people's opinions it was difficult it was a difficult time well let me let me ask you this because um, a lot of the listeners um, can you know the I'm sure the majority of them have children or have that uh, relationship with, with the child that they considered, you know, to be their child, whether they're biological or not. And I nice. could not imagine making it through that loss. And did it, was that something you were able to deal with immediately? Or, you know, like they talk about the whole all the stages of grief and how you deal with this, Mm -hmm. this, and this, and everybody's time frame Mm -hmm. is is different. I know after I lost my mom, um, it was two years of straight destructiveness. Mm. Um, And still at that time, I still didn't deal with it, but I snapped Mm -hmm. out of the destructiveness when I got pregnant. Um, But it took years and years to to deal with it. Um, Right. And I think that if you don't, people will try to tell you how to deal with it. They will try to tell you, you know, try to put their rules on how long they think you should deal with it. Um, Like I said with my mom, it's been 22 years, and after I spoke last month about it, when I finished, when I literally handed the mic over, I broke down crying. Yes. And it's been yes. twenty twenty two 22 years. And to someone else, they would look at it like, well, it's been 22 years. Why are you still crying? You, you know, like Life. everybody process and deal with things differently. Right. So what was what was your, I don't want to say timeline, but was it mm-hmm. – You know, what did that that look like? Was it a month of, like, numbness? Was it a year of numbness? Was it, you know, how did you get to where you were able to kind of, you know, come up for air a little bit out of this tragedy? Well, for me, when it happens, I'm one of those people when when tragedy hits or when there's something traumatic that happens, I automatically go into a mode of okay, this is what needs to be done. This call needs to be made. This one. So at the beginning, for me, it was just okay. I mean, let's call nine one one. You know, I try to to uh, perform CPR or call nine one one you go and call, you know, call my parents, you go and call this one. I went straight into a, a mode of, of problem solving. Let me fix this, that we need to do this, we need to call this person, we need to make these arrangements, we need to do those things. Once the smoke clears, you know, after the first couple of days, because of course everyone converges on your home because they're coming to support you and to be here for you, so everyone was here. And so then I'm in hostess mode. Okay, I've got people in my home and make sure that, Everyone has what they need. Everyone has drinks. Everyone is, is eating. Everybody's okay. I was in that mode. And then, of course, when everyone goes and everyone's gone, then I was like, okay, there's nobody here. There's no one here to take care of because you go into mommy mode. You go into take care of everything and take care of everyone mode, and that's what I did. But once everybody was gone and the smoke cleared, and everyone's been back to their, quote, unquote, normal wives, I was like, okay, now it's time to, to go in. I could not go into her room for eight months. I said, you know, I need to go in her room and begin to, to collect her things and, and just to even step into that space. I couldn't. I couldn't. I would go, and I would put my hand on that doorknob, and I couldn't, so the door just remained closed to her bedroom for eight months, because I could still smell her. I could still sense her, and I think, for me, it still made it seem as though she was there behind that door, and I I could not open that door, and no one else could either, so I just, I couldn't go in there. And then there just finally came a point where I said, you know, I I need some closure here. I need to be able to open that door. I need to be able to really come to terms with the reality that she is not behind that door. And I was finally able to open it. But just like you said, with regards to your mom and 22 years passing, even though October will be seven years, it's like it happened yesterday. It All is right. just that vivid in my mind. I can see everything that happened. I can, I, can, I, I can still experience it as though it happened yesterday. And so there are times when I wake up and I'm sad. I miss her. And the tears roll. And I don't stop those tears from rolling. I let them flow. Because that's what I need. It's a cleansing for me to be able to shed those tears. Because it's okay for me to miss her. It's okay for you to miss your mom. It's okay for us because these are people who we were connected to intimately, day in and day out. They were, in, they were an integral part of our lives. And we don't forget that. You don't forget the lessons that you learned from your mom. You don't forget the conversations that you had with her. I don't forget the conversations that I had with my daughter. I, you know, we always talked about education. She loved to read, and um, she always talked about going and getting her, her doctorate, and we always joked about who was going to get their doctorate first. And here I am in my doctoral program one year later, and that was something that we talked about. I remember her crying when I got my bachelor's degree. She was so proud. She was the loudest person that you would have thought that I was her child. She was my <laughs> biggest cheerleader. She was my biggest cheerleader. Anything that I did, she was like, go mom. My mom is great. She would tell everybody everything. This is my mom. Her name is Kim. She does this and that. She was so proud of me and, and always looked to me to be an example for her. And I knew that. Mm. And I still live and I still operate in that same vein of knowing that that I'm doing things that I would want my daughters to do so that they could be the women that that would be a a part of society and its growth and not be a detriment so that was something that was important to me but it was very very difficult very difficult to like I said open that door and to be able to to find that place of closure and for me there was another aspect to that as well, because her biological father didn't have uh, a connection with her, and it was important to me to let him know that she had passed away, and it was almost two years after she passed away that I would finally be able to find him and get in contact with him to let him know that she had passed. And so even after, you know, even two years after her passing, there still was that, that bit of closure that didn't happen immediately because we couldn't find him. But I didn't want him to hear through child support, through the child support unit or through any external agency that his daughter had passed. I felt that he needed to hear that from me. I felt that that he deserved that, you know, and he had not spoken to her um, since we moved here when she was three. And, and, you know, we made, we made provisions to try to have him see her, and that's not, that wasn't his choice. But I never held that against her, and she left this earth not knowing anything, anything negative about her father because I didn't choose to make that the highlight in her life. That, that wasn't what was important. This is your dad if you want to write him, if you want to send him cards. And she sent him cards, birthday cards for his birthday every year up until she was 10. And then one year she decided she didn't want to do it anymore. She said, he doesn't respond. So I don't, I don't want to send him a call. But that was a choice that she made. I never, you know, sat there and said, well, your dad did this and he did this. and It, right. it wasn't a matter of flinging mud or doing anything of that nature. So she left this earth with peace, not, not knowing some of the, the, the past of her father. But I wanted right. him to have that closure, and in turn that gave me closure. So it was some years after that I finally was able to to at least close that chapter of of letting him know that, that she was no longer here. So if somewhere down the line he decided to look for her, he wouldn't find her. And I thought it was important for him to know that. Yeah, so. and that that was a huge um, a huge thing on your part. Even that into you know consideration and 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 do that so you know i applaud you for you know having the strength and uh you know just wow. that that part about you that said this is something i must do you know right. regardless of how long it took knowing you would have to relive that moment now yeah. as we you know discuss your tragedy Let's talk about the the transfer, the transformation part that that you know is like three T's: the tragedy, the, tra- the transition, and then the transformation. So, yeah. at at yeah. what, like, what came from this? What was your transition and your transformation from this into what? who you who who you are or who you grew to be or what you did with, with, with this newfound space you were in. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And that's what it was. I, for me, it was a journey of self-discovery. You know, and mm-hmm. I liken it to looking in the mirror. You know, you, you, when you look in the mirror, you're supposed to, to see your reflection. And it seems like I spent so much time looking at everything that was going on behind and around me that I never really took the time to look at myself. And to look at my own reflection. And, and, and I use that analogy because that's what we do. We get so distracted by the external things that are going on around us that we don't stop and focus in on ourselves. And, and that's what it was for me. It was a matter of going on that personal journey to discovering who I was. And, and I love, of course, the name of your show, Define You, And one of the workshops that I do is called Redefining You with a D because I had to find myself. I had to figure out what the direction was for my life. And I needed to first start from within. It was like a recalibration of myself. I say in my in my workshop to my clients, I say, if you were to put your life in your navigation system, where would it take you? Would you be in a constant state of recalculating? Or do you have a clear and purposeful path for your life. And I talk about the the process of recalibrating and that's what I had to do. I had to look at my environment. I had to look at my experiences. I had to look at the and the belief system that I had. Did I believe the things that were told to me about myself? Were they true? Were they coming from a credible source? I had to really stop and examine myself. I said because I can't I can't do anything if I don't have that, that self love, if I don't have that feeling of self worth. And it, it really, really started and resonated within for me. And so that that was where the paradigm shift took place. I really had to stop and say, Okay, Ken, where are you? You know, I'm in the car, I'm I'm just going along the road but not really having a destination. And I had to stop and say, you know, is this what I want to do? Is the career path that I am, is this something that I want to do? Is this something that I can see myself retiring from? Are the relationships that I have with people, are they healthy relationships? Are they helping to make me a better person? Or are they harmful? Are they causing me to... I really had to stop and analyze all of those things first, before I could move forward, because without direction, like I said, I'm just going consistently down the same road and not right. realizing that there were other opportunities that were afforded to me, and I couldn't see them because there were too many other obstacles in the way. Right. And that, that is like everything you said is 100 percent true. We get caught up in in everyday life. Yeah. So when you finally get a chance to stop and look in the mirror, you really have to redefine you, and you have to find yeah. yourself. Yeah. And it's with with my with my life it's like it was going so fast um, that it's like one minute. I didn't notice the transition. It was it was like it just happened, and I am who I am. Like I, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like if I look at pictures, yeah. pictures are worth like a million and one words. If I look at pictures of me, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago versus now, I almost look like two different people. Absolutely. I didn't notice the transition of, and it was not just, you know, physical change, me, you know, growing, because, you know, as you get older, certain things about you change, your face structure change, whatever. Right. But you don't notice it until one day you look in the mirror and you like, I'm a whole different person. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the people who will bring it to your attention are your, your cult family, because they, they're used to you being a certain way. Every time right. I go home, I, I just recently went home. My, my grandmother passed away a couple of weeks ago, and she was 90 years old. And, you know, but every time I go home, my sister would say, you know what, you're so different from the way you were when you were a kid. You know, you, you, you are like doormat status. You should have the word welcome across your chest because you just let people walk over you. And she said, you're, you're such a different person. You didn't have a high level of self-esteem growing up. And here it is now. You know, you, you've got more steam and more love for yourself than, than anybody. And she said, I, I, mm-hmm. I see that difference. I see that change. And some people can embrace that. And some of your family members will hold that against you. Because they're used yeah. to you being a certain way, and now they're like, wait a minute, why are you so different? And why are you acting this way, and why are you acting that way? Right. It's not a matter of acting. It's a matter of growth. You, you, yeah. you learn how to deal with things. I think what happened for me, it, it was mindfulness. I became mindful of the things that I was doing. I was mindful of my reactions to certain situations. I was mindful of the words that came out of my mouth and the impact that they had. And that's where the transition started for me. It was a matter of, of being mindful and saying, okay, I know this person's coming and I know this person will, will try to push my buttons or say anything. How can I change the way I react or interact with this person? Mm-hmm. And I really started doing that in a lot of situations. Am I acting in the best way that's going to bring about peace? And I really went on a journey of creating Peaceful existence. That's something that we talk about in our business. Um, My partner Sharonda and I, we talk about cope, and that's creating our peaceful existence. I'm all about my mind, my body, and my spirit, so that that way I can interact and relate to people in a positive way. And I really had Mm -hmm. to stop and do some soul searching to get to that place of peace. I didn't want the chaos, I didn't want the drama. I didn't want all the things that came with, with trying to be something that I wasn't. But I, I had to learn that I can express my thoughts and my feelings and not have to be negative or be angry or, 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 or say it in a way that was hurtful. I really had to find that place of peace. I had to find that place of, of joy. I had to find that place of gratitude, which is huge. Finding that place of gratitude. What are some of the things that I'm thankful for, and not being a place of constantly complaining or being a, being in a place that I don't have enough or, or things are not you know exactly the way I want them to be, and to learn to live in that moment. So so there was a lot of a lot of transition and change there within myself first, and then everything else started falling into place. And that's mm-hmm. the beauty of being able to transition. You want there to be growth. You want there to be, to be people around you that are, are supportive and uplifting and encouraging and empowering. All of those things are, are vital to you being able to move from that place of tragedy to a place of strength. And mm-hmm. when you do that and you get to that place of, of peace and you get to that place of understanding, then you can help others. And you can, in turn, help to lift them up, you know. And and you said something earlier in the show when you were talking about, about you know, having that light and to be able to have that light flicker. And I, it reminds me of a conversation that I had with a friend of mine who was saying, you know, I, I'm i in this place and I just feel like someone's throwing dirt on me and, and that all of the situations that are going on in my life, I just feel like they're being compounded, like someone's just throwing, and, it, and it's burying me. And I said, well, do mm-hmm. you ever get to a place where you stand up so when those things mm-hmm. hit you, they roll off, <laughs> right. and that you're not being buried and consumed by them, that you're actually standing up and saying, wait a minute, this is, this is not, I'm not going to lay down for this. I'm going to stand, and I'm going to stand in my truth, and I'm going to stand in that peace, and I'm going to make that work for me. That, that's all part of the transition process and I and I think a lot of people because it's a it's a few things that you said definitely I hear about you know it's it's our choice and being you know learning really how to be proactive instead of reactive
1: um, absolutely
0: and that was something I had to learn and it took one of my one a friend of mine to tell me that she noticed before ask me a question or say something or whatever before I say something she could see where I'm like in thought and take a breath before I respond mm-hmm. and I said that's funny because I never noticed that it was something that I started to do but it's like when you become more mindful and find yourself you yeah. Yeah. you're more mindful of the things you say and how what you say may affect Someone else you learn about your choices, and that's what a lot of people don't realize in in this whole process of you know trans, being able to transform from tragedy is right. a choice at the end of the day you choose you cannot choose your tragedy you can you choose your reaction you choose what comes from that do you, you learn? You choose, you know, when you really start evaluating who you are and the relationships in your life because guess what? Some people, you, in order for your transformation to happen and for you to grow, everyone's yes. not going to come with you. That's right. You know? Right. So if you had, let's say, a tip that you would like, to to give on what what would be the one tip you would give in, for the that process um, to describe the process just you know a tip that you would give to go from tragedy that to tip, transformation. That tip would be to practice self care. That. There, there's no way to be able to, to make that transition and to, to get to that point uh, of living a transformative life. You have to be able to, to and, and in self-care it encompasses a lot of things. It encompasses being able to have positive coping mechanisms. How do you deal with anger? How do you deal with stress? What are some of the things that you need to do in order to, to get to that place of peace where you're not just becoming a loose cannon when things happen, and not just waiting for something to happen before you have a system in place for how you deal with stress. If something is about to get you, get you angry, do you count to five? Do you take deep breaths? Do you, do you pause and think before you, before you speak? What is something that you do? You're creating positive coping mechanisms. What are you doing with regards to your health and taking care of your body? It is your temple. What are we doing to, to make sure that our quality of life is where it needs to be so that, that way when we have added stress and then we compound it with poor eating and poor, poor um, you know, taking care of ourselves physically that, that we don't fold when a tragedy happens because of other things that are going on with our bodies and going on with, with our, our diet and everything like that. So you're wanting to, to create that space of self-care so that you can be at a place of resiliency where you're, you're better equipped to deal with things that are going on. So it's, it's a matter of making sure that you have, that you're, that you're taking care of your, your mind, your body, and your spirit. You're aligning those things and those come with self-care. You're, you're, you're praying. You're meditating. You're, you're, you're expressing gratitude all of those things are encompassed in self-care. And so if we're, if we're not putting ourselves in a place of peace or putting ourselves in a place of strength, it's going to be difficult for us to weather the storm towards transition. Right. It's almost like training for a fight. If you're, yeah. you know, everybody knows I love boxing and kickboxing and Rocky it's no secret <laughs> and it, it's almost like just training training mentally, physically yes. training yourself yes. for a fight and it's not in a in fight comes enough to at least be able to like you say weather the storm you know, it Absolutely. it may be a a fight you may not win, but at least at the end of the day, you could say I gave it a good go. I gave it all I had, and right. I was ready. Right. And one of the things I always say, be ready so you don't have to get ready. And that's easier said than and done, because exactly. I'm not going to lie. In the course of uh, the course of my day, I'm still working on the self care part as far as you know sleep mm-hmm. and you know certain certain things, you know, we all have work to do. I think a lot of people would like to be able to snap their fingers and all of a sudden they are one hundred percent okay. But it is a it is a in order to transform there is a transition. Absolutely. In in that transformation. Right. Absolutely. It is a work in process. It's something that we are constantly having to do to to to, you know, sharpen our skills. It, it, it's a matter of, of communicating and, and, and constantly doing some form of, of self-analysis, doing that self-check every once in a while. Just like we go out and we tune up our cards and we make sure that we have warranties for sort the of things in our homes and everything like that. What uh-huh. are we doing with regards to ourselves? What are we doing to prepare ourselves, uh, you know, or what are we doing to check ourselves and make sure that, that we're running at an optimal level that's that conducive for us to be able to go out and to, to help others. We can't do things like others until we love first on ourselves. So self-care is definitely something I would want to leave with, with the listening audience. We have to practice self-care. We have to do those, those check-ins and those tune-ups on ourselves to make sure that we're in alignment with where we need to be so when these things take place, we're ready. Right. Or as ready as we can be. (laughs) Can be, exactly, exactly. Well, we are kind of, you know, winding down on time. At this time, I would like to open the lines up for any questions or comments you guys have tonight for our guests. Just hit star six and go ahead with your question or comment. So while we're waiting to, to see if anyone has a question or comment, Kim, so what what do you have going on? And if anyone, if the listeners want to reach out to you, what is the best way to for them to do that? Okay, well, you can go to our website. Like I said, our business is Unlimited Love and Life Coaching, LLC. So our website is unlimitedloveandlife.com. If you're interested in um, my publications, I have three, I have a uh, four books that are currently available on Amazon, 30 Days of Inspiration, 30 Days of Transition, 30 Days of Transformation, and those are available on Amazon at Amazon forward, amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Kim M. Martin. And uh, you can also go and on Facebook. I have a author Kim Martin Facebook page. And we also have our um, Unlimited Love and Life Facebook page. So that's Facebook forward slash Unlimited Love and Life. So you can follow us. You can follow us on our Blog Talk Radio show at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Love Unlimited. And if you would like to email me, you can email me at kim.unlimitedloveandlife. And that's the whole word spelled out, Unlimited Love and Life at gmail.com. But we'll make sure all the information is posted on the event page. We do have a question real quick. So, caller, go ahead with your question, please. Um, It's a comment. I just want to say, once again, uh, this call, conversation, uh, radio post has really helped me and fueled me for a journey ahead. I'm Nicole calling from Columbus, Ohio, and I want to thank tonight's guest, Um, just your whole physical being and, you know, from the transformation the whole story, just, just really evokes a, a, a definite response for me to, get up and, and get in step. So I appreciate what you did tonight for me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Your blessings to you. Thank you so much, Nicole. If we have any other questions, you guys or comments, you guys can hit star six on your phone. I will make sure, Kim's information is posted. And Kim, if you could post it too, I've. Was trying to type as fast as I uh, could. We do okay. have one more one more question or comment, caller. Go ahead, please. Um, I just want to say this is uh, TT. I'm calling in from Colleen, Texas. And I just I have a comment. Hey, honey. I just want to thank tonight's guest. I, I heard a lot of very um, good information uh, tonight. And I just want to thank you. I want to wish you well in your ministry. And I do want to let you know that um, um, I loved when you when you talked about redefining yourself. That was just awesome. So thank you. thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I love Tetris. I love I miss it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you, thank you so much, TT. T. I will be getting to getting with you soon. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Check. Okay. Yeah, she she's awesome. I've I've been. It's funny once you um, trans you transform and start you know redefining yourself. Like you find yourself in a in a space where. Everything that you need, yeah. you 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 some kind of way finds you, and people and and spaces and um places I never thought I would be, and people I would talk to once I had that cleansing uh, process that redefining me, all of yeah. the things I thought I missed I got. Plus some, you know, when when Job had to kind of lose everything to, and he was overwhelmed with, you know, blessings and so on. And it's and a lot of times in that process of tragedy, we 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 get so down and we feel like we lost everything. But if you hold on, right? There, there's something there. There's something afterwards. And Tua, I got um uh, two inboxes. One of the comments said she is amazing. Thank you. And the other one says the power she carries magnificent with two exclamation points. So I just (laughs) wanted to to add (laughs) that thank you guys so much for your inboxes and everything. And um, let me see if we have another quick question or comment. Please start six your phone and get on the line with our wonderful guest tonight that just helped us so much, Miss Kim Martin. And we're right at eight o'clock. Kim, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the line tonight. Please yes, make my sure. Passion. Please make sure um you post all of your information on the event page. You guys get in contact with Kim. And with that being said, you guys it's been another Thank you so much for joining us with another show Wednesday, you know, hashtag Define You Wednesday. And as you guys know, I close with a quote. And this week's quote, and I will post it, comes from Janet S. Dickens. And the quote says, The wings of transformation are born of patience and struggle. And with that being said, thank you Kim again. Thank you all the listeners and you guys who listen to the yay, to the replay, and I will see you guys next week. Same time, same place. Everybody had have a great evening. Class is over, pencils down.